welcome to the Grace Family International Church Podcast Service. This message is by our senior pastor, Reverend Diola Ojo. Be blessed as you listen. So for about two weeks now, we've been sharing on attitude. For what? For greater altitude. So if you want to want to go higher, you got to make sure that your heart is pure. And so I have this book that I've written some years back. It has been a tremendous blessing to people all over the world. And that's Frog in a Kettle, Heartitude for Greater Altitude. And I want to encourage everyone to get a copy of the book. Um, we encouraged people to get it two weeks ago. We encouraged people to get it last week. But some of you still don't have your copy. And this book can be a lifesaver. Okay? This book is a lifesaver. It's a relationship saver. And more than anything else, it's going to determine how far you're going to go in life. Okay? How far you're going to go with God. So it's very, very important. Right. So today we're going to continue the series. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, it's going to be a battle to keep your heart pure. Yeah, it's going to be a battle. And everyone is going to face that battle. Whether you are young, whether you are old, whether you are, whether you are male or you are female, whatever it is, you're going to find out that you will face the battle. If you've never faced the battle of your heart before, just get ready. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just get ready. You will face it. And if you faced it before, it doesn't mean you'll stop facing it. All right? You know, whenever the devil comes to tempt, even when you've overcome the temptation, he will only live for a period, for a season. He will come back. He will come back. And it's very important that you are prepared even before the devil comes back. It's very important that you are prepared. In fact, any battle you have fought before lets you know that you've got experience. But because the devil knows that he's come before, you fought and you won against him, he's going to change the strategy. He's not going to come the exact same way that he has come before. He will change the strategy. And so that's why you must resist every wall of the devil. That's what the Bible says, we should put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to do what? You'll be able to resist. Be able to resist. All right? You've got to be able to resist even the battles of your heart. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that it would fall on prepared hearts. And that it will bring forth hundredfold fruits in the mighty name of Jesus. As I speak this morning, let people recognize the conditions of their heart and what they need to amend what they need to change, what they need to clean up in the name of Jesus. That at the end of this message, each and every one of us would have been made better. That each and every one of us would have been purified to be those people who are in a perfect state of heart that you may show yourself strong on our behalf. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. All right, so we've been looking at the scripture, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and I think by now some of you should be able to say it of heart. What does it say? Keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the what? 
are the issues of life or the forces of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Last week we talked about the fact that if it's not important, you won't need to keep it. Okay? When you've got trash outside of your house, you don't keep the trash. The trash is not important to you. Right. But when you've got jewelry and trinkets, what do you do? You keep those. You lock it somewhere. Right. So because your heart is so important, that's why the Bible says for you to keep it. Now, the Bible doesn't just say you should keep it. The Bible says we should keep it with all diligence. Meaning that there should be no time at all that you are caught off guard. Keep it with all diligence. If you kept it yesterday, you must still keep it today. If you kept it last year and it was pure, this year it must still be pure. Don't allow your guards to be down. Now, I want you to understand that where you are at in your heart must not be determined by where you are physically or your current experience. The state of your heart your heart must not be determined by what? Where you are right now. Whether it's when it comes to your physical location or it comes to whatever condition or, or you know, situation or circumstance that you may be going through. A lot of people fall into um, this, this trap of the devil whereby they feel that just because conditions in their lives are in a certain way, oh, because of that, you know what? Ah, this particular condition, this is what it takes to, you know, this is what I'm going to give it. No, no. Where your heart is concerned, your heart must always, always be pure. Now, when the devil brings a fresh fight, you must battle to still keep your heart pure. So you find out that maybe strategy has changed. Maybe his tactics has changed. Maybe the methods he's even using has changed. Maybe even the terrain of that battle has changed. Then you understand that you too must now step up and realize that, okay, this is a fresh battle. I've got to fight this battle and I've got to keep it pure. Listen again to this. The evil or polluted heart of some people must not pollute your own heart. Once you have the attitude of, I will do to him what he did to me. Ah, you're running a risk of allowing your heart to be polluted. The truth is that you can't even match the wickedness of some people. So even saying you want to try, you are wasting your time. Because before you get to level nine, they have reached 100 in their wickedness. They've had experience with this wickedness. And what are you doing? You see, when you now say, I'm going to do to him what he did to me, I'm going to do to her what she did to me, what you are doing is that you're actually bringing yourself down to that person's level. You are descending. You are descending. Okay? The fact that somebody has treated you unfairly, unkindly, does not mean that you two should now make up your mind that you are just going to be as bad as that person has been. Guard your heart at all times. Now, if you are wrong in your head, don't be wrong in your heart. I'll say it again. If you are wrong where? In your head. Don't be wrong where? In your heart. What does that mean? When you make mistakes, or if you make mistakes, the mistakes should be just that, mistakes. Not deliberate attempts to do evil. There are times you can even do good. The Bible says even our good must not be what? Must not be evil spoken of. So at all times, our intentions and our motives must be very pure. Any sin that you are scheming, hmm, 
<laughs> to commit is no longer coming from here. It is coming from where now? From the heart. From the heart. You can step on people's toes mistakenly. But when the person says, you are stepping on my toes, and you say, eh? when then? Even then? So what? Is it just the toes? Wait. You haven't even seen. I'll still step on your head. What has happened now? You've gone way beyond the mistake of what? Of the head, and it has now become a mistake of the heart. Okay. Now, we're going to be looking at signs of a wrong heart. Because it's good for you to know, is my heart right or is my heart wrong? There are times we assume that our heart is right and it is not. And when you see some of these signs or some of these symptoms, don't sweep it aside. Take time to deal with it and remove it. Right. Look at Acts chapter 8, signs of a wrong heart. Acts chapter 8, let's look from verse 5. Acts chapter 8, from the fifth verse. Amen? God is good. God is ever, 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 ever so good. Right. The Bible says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and what? And seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And there was a certain man called, what's his name? Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city. And astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that it was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him, because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also what? Also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may what? May receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness. And pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said... Pray to the Lord for me, 
that none of those things which you have spoken may come upon me. Hmm. <laughs> right. So we see a Simon here who had gotten saved, isn't it? He was a Christian. But then his heart was not right with God. So it's possible to be born again and your heart is not right. It's possible to be a follower. Hmm? The Bible says people were getting saved, he too got saved. Then he too, he began to follow Philip. And he was wondering, he was amazed at all the signs and wonders. And he looked as though everything was okay. But then, we began to see certain things in his heart. Now, I found out that the first sign that our hearts are not right is sin. Sin is the first sign of a wrong heart. Christians who live in sin, Christians who make light of a lifestyle of sin, Christians who celebrate others that are living in sin, Christians who cover up for others that are living in sin, it's a sign that even their own heart is not right. If somebody is stealing, you are not stealing, but they are keeping the stolen goods with you, your heart is not right. Your heart is not right. If you know somebody is stealing money, you're not stealing it with them, but you are loaning from the money they have stolen. <laughs> Come on now. We cannot call that a right heart. Say, ah, I'm not stealing with you. I know he's stealing from his company. I know he's stealing from his organization. I know he's stealing from his spouse, but ah, what is my own business? Let him just loan me money and I will pay it back. Okay? So, condoning sin. All right? Because sometimes we say, ah, well, me, I'm not sinning. No. It's not like I'm lying or I'm cheating or I'm fornicating. But we know those who are doing it. And then we say, we don't say anything. Or sometimes we even cover up. We even cover up. So you know a lady who is supposed to be engaged to be married. You know a lady who is engaged to be married. There was one situation like that. This lady was engaged to be married. And then she had another boyfriend. So, somebody saw her in a particular area with the boy. And so the person called the fiancé. To say that, look, this is your fiancé that you want to marry. I've just seen her now with a guy. And the way they are holding each other, it's obvious something is going on, you know, between them. Okay. And so immediately, the fiancé calls her. Say, where are you now? Who are you with? What's going on? Right. So immediately she lied that, oh, she's with a co-worker. So I'll call her, I'll call her. Immediately she then called the co-worker. Look, this is the situation of things cover up for me. I know my fiancé will call you right now and ask if I've said that I'm just leaving your house. So that's what you must see, that I was actually with you. I mentioned this particular area that I've just left. Truly, the fiancé did call the colleague. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, and she just stepped out now. In fact, we were together just now and covered up. Who do you think is more evil? Between the two of them, who do you think is more evil? Huh? The girl that is engaged to be married and has a boyfriend, right? Or the person who is cover, covering up for her? Who do you think is more evil? Huh? Both of them. They are on the same level of evil. 
Okay, you haven't heard the last of the story. So now that the friend knew that this person who is supposed to be engaged to be married is not faithful, so she too skimmed and had an affair with the guy. Evil hearts. Evil hearts. Sin is always the first sign that, ah, there's something wrong with this heart. Okay. So do you think if that girl knew the person, she, the friend she was calling, go, is even more of a day willy? <laughs> Maybe she would have just confessed. Right. Okay. Cheating in an exam. That's a sign of a wrong heart. Um, so I was preaching in Grace Youth Mega Center last Sunday. And this issue of cheating in an exam came up. And, and then I said, is it wrong to cheat in an exam? Who can tell me the answer they give? And some of them are students currently. What do you think they said? Huh? Is it wrong to cheat? What do you think they said? Do you know what they said? They said it depends. <laughs> they said it depends. They said in our school, under some circumstances, it may be okay to cheat in an exam. I said, are you sure? They said, ah. I said, ah, you don't know our school. I said, all right. Okay. Let me put to you this scenario. A doctor is about to operate on you, but he cheated in all his exams and is about to do surgery on you. And what's going to be the outcome of that surgery? So, is that wrong? Is it wrong for him to have cheated? Ah, he said it is wrong. I said, why? He said, ah. I said, why thought you just said now that under some I said, ah, that's different. That's different. <laughs> so I said to them, see, that's what we're talking about. There's something wrong here with the heart. The fact that you live in a country where cheating is almost known does not make it right for you. It will never be right. Never. So if you excuse sin, it's a sign of a wrong, a wrong heart. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 17 to 22 very quickly. Romans chapter 6. What do you say, but pastor, what if the exam I did, that I used to get the job, I cheated in that exam? What should I do? Do you know some people have returned their certificates? Because they felt that they got it fraudulently. And they've gone to redo the exam. Hello. Yeah. Some have. Some don't even remember they cheated. All things have passed away. All things have what? Have become new. What would you do if your child came home and told you that actually that jam that I seem to have passed, I actually didn't pass it. They gave us all the answers. How many of you know there are some exam centers like that? But somebody was telling me that 
there's a particular exam that she's done. She's not sure if she's going to pass it because when they got to that exam place, there was something that they were supposed to have provided for them in order for them to do that exam the right way. But because that particular center could not provide that, they gave them the answers and they told them to fill it. And this person said, but I refuse to fill the answers because I know I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Why about the others? They filled all the answers. They said, well, let's pray and let's trust God. Did you do well in all the other areas? The person said, yes. Said, okay, let's trust God for his mercy and his divine intervention. You can choose not to cheat. Let me also say this to you. A Christianity that believes in righteousness without consequences huh? is not real Christianity. Sometimes when you take a stand for righteousness, it will mean there will be some consequences. The Bible talks about suffering for righteousness sake. There are times for taking a stand in righteousness, you may need to, it won't be all the time, but there will be times like that. Can be working in an organization and all of them, before you joined that organization, they always cheated. They always stole from the organization. And you now get there and you decide that you are not going to steal. There's going to be victimization. Most likely. But you know, God will always protect you. Or someone working in an organization and notice that in that organization there was a boss, it was very high in that organization. And then there was this other young lady who had just joined the organization to like her. And then all of a sudden she found out that this lady, single lady, was having an affair with this married man. So she called the lady and advised the lady that this is not right. This man is married. What are you doing with this married man? You know, you need to clean up your life, you know, and stop this relationship. So apparently... She, the lady must have gone back to tell the man, you know, that was like one of the superiors that, ah, this <coughs> holier than thou lady is telling me that I should cut off my relationship with you. Anyhow. So they got to a, a like a board meeting, anyhow. And so this man, started saying, this other lady who was holy, who had advised his girlfriend to quit the relationship, that the lady must be transferred. Do you know God just spoke for this lady? All the other bosses, all the other superiors just said, why? Why should she be transferred? Because apparently they had gotten wind of what had happened. They said, why should she be transferred? They said, you, you, you are the one that will be transferred. And they transferred him immediately. And they transferred him not to a bigger place or a smaller place, like a demotion. God will fight for you. But don't be afraid to stand for the truth. Don't be afraid to stand for righteousness. Okay? It's possible that, you know, sometimes too, God may decide he wants, even sometimes as a test, to test you that you stood for righteousness. And then maybe there can be some kind of punishment. But if you still keep your stand in righteousness, you will still find out that more blessing will come. Amen? Because God is faithful. Alright, I said we should go to Romans. Are we in Romans yet? Romans chapter 6. Let's read verses 17 to 22 very quickly. Are you getting anything from this message? Right. Amen. Okay. 
Let me read from verse 15. The Bible says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is what? Is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end of it is going to be everlasting life. Let's go to number two very quickly. Signs of a wrong heart. Number two is bitterness. Bitterness is a sign of a wrong heart. Someone's heart is wrong. Is it? probability that there will also be bitterness in that. What does it mean to be bitter? To be angry. To be unhappy. Inability to forget the past. Wanting bad things to happen to those who have hurt us. That's bitterness. The fact that somebody has hurt you does not mean you should wish them evil. That, listen to me. Praying that people should die between a papa and Osho, the expressway, is not Christianity. It's not Christianity. Appear, die. Appear, die. He says some people will even be chanting, oh, my enemy, die, 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 die. I always feel sorry for those people because some of them don't realize they are their own enemy. So I say, oh, my enemy, wherever my enemy, even if my enemy is in this room. Okay. <laughs> the Bible says, love your enemies. Pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Bless them. The Bible did not say curse them who curse you. It said bless them who curse you. Right? Love your enemies. Is it always easy to love your enemies? No. <laughs> no, it's not always easy. There are times that you feel like, ah, you don't, don't think. In fact, there are times that you are like, woo, this person is taking me for granted because they know I'm a Christian. I will also show you the other side. No, don't show them. Just stay in your position as a Christian. It is well with us in Jesus' name. Alright? Having ill will towards those who are moving ahead is bitterness. Grudge, hatred, or animosity towards others. When you cannot rejoice at something good that is happening to someone else, is bitterness. It's bitterness. Okay? Bitterness. How many of you, you find out that your good friend has just gotten something that you don't have and you feel bad? Anybody? You may even feel bad and not realize you are feeling bad. You may just feel you are not as excited as you, you know, you really are supposed to be. And you shock yourself. I remember one time a friend of mine was having housewarming. And at that time we didn't even have any house. And I just saw that my usual bubbly self. 
I was just cool during that um, ceremony. In fact, remember when they were like, some people are going on house tour. I didn't feel like going for any house tour. They offered me food. I didn't want to eat. I'm just, you know, in that, in that position. Then as we were stepping out, ah, and I just, just occurred to me, wait a minute. I'm usually generally joyful, bubbly, happy. Nothing happened before we came here. That I could have said, okay, maybe it was something that changed my mood. Oh. So why all of a sudden am I not now feeling happy? Oh! Because my friend has a house and I don't have a house. And I say, ah, God punished the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to start dealing with the feeling immediately that no, 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 I'm happy for people. There are things that I have that that person too does not have, whether I realize it or not. And if I cannot rejoice with my friend, who is doing housewarming? Who will rejoice with me? Who will rejoice with me? Mm. Somebody say, hmm. So how many of you can say sometimes something good is happening to a friend of yours and you feel like you're just cool? You're just cool. You see, if I had validated how bitterness now started, if I now validate that feeling, I mean, ah, maybe God too knows, I've been in ministry how many years? Why should I not have a house? So I validated. So that creeping in, the devil tried to do, ah, the door is now wide open. You will now sit, sit in. Let me say this to you. There are some things friends, family members, neighbors will have that you may never have. Never. And so if you are going to base your happiness on what people have and you don't have, oh, you are cooking up a lifetime of pain and anguish, bitterness for yourself, which is unnecessary. Which is unnecessary. Mm. Somebody say, hmm. And you tell your neighbor for me, don't be bitter. Be better. Be better. Okay? All right, let's say it like Nigerians. Don't be bitter. Be better. It's a choice. Look at Jeremiah 4.18. Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness because it is what? It is bitter. And because it reaches into your heart. Reaches into your heart. Don't allow it to reach into your heart. There are so many things that can happen to people. There are good. Don't let it affect you. Their child has just graduated with a first class. Your own child has an extra year. There's no reason to be bitter. God, I thank you that my child can even go to school. Isn't there a better way of looking at it? And I thank you that you've given me resources to send this child to school. Remember that when you are comparing yourself to those who have something you don't have, there are people too who are comparing themselves to you because you have something that they don't have. And if all of us are relating to one another 
based on bitterness, nobody will ever be happy. Nobody will also never be happy for you. How many of you, when you are getting married, you expect people to be happy? You expect people to be happy. How many of you, when you have a baby, you expect people to be happy? How many of you, when you're doing the wedding for your child, you expect people to be happy? You do expect people to be happy. How many of you, when you travel abroad, first class for the first time, you expect people to be happy? Hallelujah. When you, yeah. when you start your company, you expect people to be happy. When you build your first house, you expect people to be happy. And be happy for others. Amen? You're hoping to get engaged. You're single, you're hoping to get engaged. You're not yet engaged. Your niece just announced their engagement. Give me a spouse or I die. Be happy. <laughs> Did you get that? You know, for your niece to announce en engagement, what does that mean? Ah, by now, you yourself should have been married and have, you know, children that will be like cousins to that niece that is getting married. Yeah. Be happy. God makes all things beautiful. When? In this time. All right. Okay, number three. Signs of a wrong heart. Number three, wickedness. Wickedness is a sign of a wrong heart. Absence of compassion. To be wicked is to be cruel. To be mean. Hmm. To be evil. Or to be vile. That's wickedness. Ah, when we were growing up. How many of you grew up in southwest Nigeria? Southwest Nigeria. We grew up with some people who say, Madaseri Afwen. Uh -huh. I think somebody grew up in Southwest. You know what the person said? They just said, yeah. <laughs> because truly, when people heard that, they knew it was going to be yeah. They knew it was going to be whoa. Hmm. Hmm. There are some people who would want to punish their children and they would put pepper in the child's eyes. That's, weak. That's no longer discipline. That's wickedness. That's wickedness. When there's wickedness in the heart of anyone, the sign of a wrong heart. The sign of a wrong heart. There's no how we can raise children without disciplining them. But there are levels of discipline that will border on cruelty. Cruelty. We hear stories of people who have sometimes they have a word living with them, is a relative, sometimes they house help. And then they beat the house help sometimes with them with a metal rod. That's wickedness. No Christian should ever do, do that. Okay? No Christian should ever do that. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Okay. Let's read verses 1 to 11. We're talking about some other things. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 15. At the end of every seven years, you shall make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lends anything to his neighbor. Let me go to New King James Version very quickly. New King James Version very quickly. Amen? Right. Praise God. Somebody. Woo! 
So the Bible says that every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother, except when there may be no poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. If there is among you a poor, a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart. You see that? Nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought. Where? In your heart. Say it. The seventh year, the year of release is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you. And it's become sin among you. You shall surely give to him. And your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord will bless you in all the works and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, and to your needy in your land. Okay, so what's the Bible talking about here? In Israel, they had this practice where every seventh year was a year of release. So whereby even when people are taking a loan and all that, maybe they were supposed to be paying it back in bits and pieces. Once it got to the seventh year, whatever else they had not paid, whatever was remaining, was supposed to be cancelled. How many of you have heard of cancellation of debts before? They were supposed to do cancellation of debts. Now, so what the Bible was saying here is that meaning that if somebody now comes the sixth year or the fifth year and then says, look, I want to loan a million naira. So then the person who wants to loan, who is wealthy enough, now begins to calculate that, ah, if I loan this person this thing, the year of release is next door. So whatever it is, the person is not able to pay. Even if they didn't pay a dime, the, all the money is gone. I'll say, ah, I can't loan you that money. The Bible says that thing is what? It's wickedness. You know what makes it wickedness? Would you like roles to be reversed? You're already a billionaire. Somebody's struggling to eat because usually they borrowed things because they couldn't feed their family at that time. You know, at that time, it wasn't like there were so many goods for anybody to buy. Do you understand? It wasn't like a television or motor cars or anything. Usually they took a loan to feed their family when they came upon hard times. So to refuse to give the person something that they will use to feed their family is great wickedness just because you know there's going to be a year of release. How many of you sometimes people come and take a loan from you? They ask for a loan but you refuse to give because you know they will not pay back. How many have done it before? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I know this person. You look at their condition. You, you, you know that. This one that they are telling you, sweet-tongued. Ah, by next month, I will return the money. In fact, I'm telling you, next, I will, re I will return everything. But you calculate, uh, this person will not return the money. But the Bible says, that does not give you a right to say no. I say, huh? Somebody tap your neighbor and say, really? Yeah. It doesn't give you a right to say no. But let me teach you a principle. 
whenever I give a loan, and please pay attention, it's very, very important that you get this. Whenever I give a loan, I give a loan that is payable whenever, if ever. What does that mean? If the person does not repay the loan, I'm not going to hold it against the person. So I give a loan that I know I can let go of. Does that make sense? So that I also don't allow bitterness into my own heart and at the same time, I don't allow wickedness. If I refuse to give a loan, what am I doing? The Bible says that would be wickedness, isn't it? If I give a loan that they will not repay and they do not repay it, what's the danger that can come? I can now be bitter against the person. Right? So what's the balance? Give a loan that in your heart you have already released to that person. Now, I did say pay attention, so please pay attention. Please pay attention. Some people hear these kind of things. They say, ah, I love this church. Everybody I can take a loan from, I will take a loan from. When they come and they start reminding me to pay the loan, I will say, ah, remember what's in your pastor, the Allah taught us. You must have released it from your heart. When you are, remember the Bible says, cancellation of death, it is the seventh year. The year of jubilee. <laughs> what does the Bible say? The wicked borrow and they do not repay. It is only the wicked that plan to borrow money from you and they've already made up their minds that they are not going to pay back. And we are not wicked people. Hello? We are not what? Uh -uh. We are not wicked people. Any wicked person here? Huh? Every one of us, if we're genuine believers, we will always repay the loan. Ask your neighbor for me, what, what am I owing you? They are telling you what you owe them. <laughs> because I'm just beginning to hear some, some murmuring going on. Are they telling you you actually owe them something? Really, ask them again. Ask them, what do I owe you? What did they say you owe them? Talk to me. What did they say you owe them? Eh? Okay. Love. Okay. What do you think you owe them? Love. Or how many of you think you are owing somebody money? How many of you think you are owing somebody money? Anybody? If you are owing money, then please pay back the money. Okay? Pay back what? Pay back the money. Very, very important. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get that scripture for you. Praise the Lord. Sam, thank you. Right, go to Psalm 37. Psalm 
Psalm 37, verse 21. And I like the spin that the Bible actually puts on this verse. The Bible says, The wicked borroweth, and what? And payeth not again. But the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. So what did I tell you is my principle. When I'm giving somebody a loan, as far as I, in my heart, I've already done what? I've given it. So the person pays back to their credit. If they do not pay back to their discredit. Now let me also balance that. Somebody say balance. Suppose the person has borrowed from me. In my heart, I've already released it. And the person did not repay. They didn't repay at the time. Maybe they were even reminded. They still refused to repay. Then they come again. And they say, I would like to take another loan. What do you think I should do? <laughs> what do you think I should do? Eh? So I'm hearing different, different answers. Depending on, number one, whether you owe somebody money. Eh? Or how merciful you are. You know what some people are saying? You should show mercy. I know what some people are doing. <laughs> now when they come back, I will now say, hey, come. The one you took before, did you repay? You have come again. All right. Now listen. It depends on the situation and the condition of the person. But let me tell you what I will do. Is if the person comes back and asks for another loan, I will then tell the person, you know what? It's better to be honest than to be a liar. When you came first, you said you were asking for a loan. But obviously, in your mind, you are not thinking of it as a loan. You are thinking of it as what? As a gift. So now you have come again and you're asking for a loan of one million. Or eh? I cannot give you one million. Because we all know, ah, I will believe tons. No, 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 don't even worry. This is 50,000 that I have. It's not a loan. It's a gift. something. Say, but what I need is one million. I say, I know. I understand. I will now pray for you. God will provide other people that will give you the remaining. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Especially when it's not a life and death situation. Okay? When it's not a life and death situation. Alright. Now, why must we do that in the body of Christ? Because we also don't want to indulge people. Because if we don't also learn to train them to not be used to loaning and not repaying the loan, they will get to a point where they go and loan from somebody who will not take kindly with them not returning the loan. So that's why we must not indulge people. Let me also say this. As a believer, try to live your life without taking loans. Try to live your life also without begging. All right? Learn to be content with what you have and where you are at. The Bible says the borrower is what? He's servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. So you know if you are owing somebody money, they are saying something that is not correct. Do you have <laughs> the temerity to correct them? You just keep quiet. You you? <laughs> it is well with us in Jesus' name. All right, how many of us can do debt cancellation? 
debt cancellation. Sometimes too, you can cancel a part of it. Sometimes people take a loan, they are paying back nothing. When they've demonstrated that actually they have a heart to repay, you can just decide, you know what, don't worry about the rest. Amen? That's the balance for us believers. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. That's a new one we do in our gate now. It's just say, okay, okay, okay. And the children will reply, all right, all right, all right. So, okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's go to the next one. Bribery. Signs of a wrong heart. He's what? Bribery. Bribery. Offering money to truncate justice or nullify the law is bribery. We saw Simon the sorcerer do that. Offering money to make people do something that maybe is not even your right to receive. Right? Bribery. Now, how many of you know that in Nigeria, we have a lot of wrong hearts? Because when it comes to that bribery, it's almost as if we have entrenched it as part of the system. We have entrenched it. Now, I want to explain to you that there's a difference between bribery and how would I, um, what word should I use for this now? Huh? No, not tip now. Huh? Appreciation. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. When somebody, com- you know, compels you, extortion, extortion. Right. So if somebody is holding a gun to your head, and then you know, go pass here. You know, give me the I see the person is cocking their gun. That's now, it's no longer a case of bribery. It's a case of what? Extortion. Whatever you have given to the person. Because you don't know what he drank or what he has used. Hello. So that you can pass peacefully and get back to your, to your family. But when somebody says, okay, park there. And then you park. Let me see your driver's license. You give your driver's license. It has not expired. Let me see your vehicle license. You give your vehicle license. It has not. It has not expired. Let me see your seat caution. You bring out the seat caution. It has not, you know, hello. Seat caution will not expire. Abby? Bring out your fire extinguisher. You bring out your fire extinguisher. It shakes it. Oh, God, it's no food. You go, you go pay fine. I go carry you to station. So if you give him money, yeah. Is it extortion or is it bribery? Is it extortion or is it bribery? Huh? What makes it bribery? What makes it bribery? Hmm? Because you have broken the law. And you don't want the penalty of the law. Right? 
So then you offer something so he can let you go. Now I must balance that again because I believe in balance. If you have a sick child in the car that you are rushing to hospital and the person says, I will not let you go. I'm carrying you to station. Hello. The scenario has changed a bit. Now, what you will still do without offering the bribe is to appeal to the person's conscience. See, my child is ill. Most of them, they really see the child. Is this your yoga? Go, 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 go. Okay. But let me say to you that what's happening is that bribery is so endemic to us in our culture that you will even think twice before you just give, bring out the money and just give it to him. You just say, don't worry, okay, I go go fill up now. I go go fill up. Say, don't do that next time. Say, okay, I understand. I remember there was a time we were going for a program and we didn't realize both our licenses had expired. But as soon as they said, we're just entering into Ibadan. I said, yeah, park there. I'm already like, oh, here these people come again. You know? So we parked. I'm like, all right, let me see your driver's license. I'm like, yeah, yeah, check the driver's license. This driver's license is where, nah, no, it's not possible. I brought out my own. It had also expired. What? Say, ah, this, <laughs> this, this is a great offense. You know this is an offense. Went to the senior officer. And they wanted to say, initially I was going to get angry. And I realized that we are going for a program. And if we stay here, we're going to be late. So they are blowing grammar and all that. You know, I called my brother and all that. Then he now called to me and I said, okay, okay. Okay, oh yeah, calm down now. Ah. So one of them said, no, you know, it's a guy that came to collect you or whatever. You have to go and meet him. So I said, okay, okay, look, calm down. Actually, we've not been around. We just came back. And for whatever reason, that's what really happened to Don't think I'm lying. Because me, I don't tell lies. Because as I said that, some of you just thought I was spinning it. No. 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 I'm not spinning it. We had just come by. I think maybe we came back like two days before. So we had just arrived. So I explained to him that actually we've not been around. We just came back. And for whatever reason, when we were away, we didn't even check it at all. And we didn't realize that the license had it. And you know how our birthdays are one right after the other. Okay. So then the man looked, 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 said, ah, but why did you allow it to expire? I said, you know, I don't even know. I think we just got busy and all that. Then I said to him, oh, by the way, can you do the license for us? He said, yes, I can get it done for you. I said, oh, so get it done for us. You know, do all the virus. I said, okay, I'll need the photocopy and all that and all that. I said, okay, you know what? Let me call my brother. My brother will get your phone number and all that. And then process it for us and that's okay. He said, go. We didn't pay a dime. <laughs> we have some, you know, usually sometimes when you're, when you're going by this, or sometimes you have some of these people that will stop and all that. So some of them stopped me and when they stop, you know, I'm, my eyes are already like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes I'm tired, have left home early in the morning, sometimes before seven. So around that six-ish, I'm already tired, I'm drained. I just want to get home and rest. So you see, I have that look on my face. I say, ah, ah whatever. I say, ah, you should know us now. We're right here and all that. Say, okay, 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 go. 
So go today, go tomorrow. Good. After a while, they are, we are getting to know me and all that. So they may not stop you again. I say, Madam, again today, you don't give us anything. I said to them, actually, you know what? My husband is coming in the next car. Because I really didn't have anything on me. Sometimes I like to give them, I say, unfortunately, I don't even have anything on me. But you know, they're good people. Sometimes they too, sometimes their salaries are not paid on time. So when is not by force or by compulsion? If I want to give something, I'll give something. I say, I don't have money, but who knows? Maybe you can you can ask. You know, I said, which car is he going to be driving? Uh-uh. So you know, no, they know us actually. They know these are not people that don't know us, they know us. So, I went. Then the other day, someone was very recent. Driving again, he said, oh, 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 stop. I'm like, ah, I don't want to stop. I'm in the area. And I was like, ah, you know. I, want I said, unfortunately, I don't have money, but I have bread. Do you want bread? He said, yes. So, I just press on bread. Ah, just salute. And then the other one was looking at him. I said, ah, why are you collecting? I said, ah, she's our mommy now. She's our money. <laughs> if you are not going to pay bribe, there's a way you talk to them. That's something my husband keeps saying. There's a way you talk to them. Okay? Because, you know, the initial thing is to... This morning again. I'm rushing down to church. Body stops me. You know, I want to have this my look again that, ah! Then I just remembered. Thank God they are here. A lot of petty thieves and armed robbers cannot operate just because they are on the road. Father, I thank you for all the officers who keep us safe and keep our neighborhood safe. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I hope you understand that. I hope you understand that. Rev, rev. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can I take one more? Okay. Signs of a wronger. Thinking the gift of God can be purchased with money. Thinking the gift of God can be purchased with money. Sometimes we give maybe our tithes, maybe our offerings. It may even be prophet's offering. And if we are giving, and then all of a sudden we're beginning to think that ah, there should be some entitlements. It's the wrong heart. Okay? You see, Simon the sorcerer, former sorcerer, could have come to the apostle saying, wow, can you lay hands on me and I'll also receive the gift? That would have been one thing. They may still not have laid hands on him. But you see, the point is that he's then asking sincerely so to say because he's really enamored by the power of God but the problem was offering them money in exchange for the power of God okay now the problem with when you get the power of God with money what are you also going to do you're going to sell it which means he wants to go back to his former business that was his former business he had this bewitching power and he was using the bewitching power to bewitch the people and to make money so now he claims he's born again. But then all of a sudden he hasn't cleaned his heart. 
And so he thinks the way it was before is the same way that it must now be now. Learn to train yourself not to have any entitlements when it comes to the gifts of God. That you give does not mean you should have a special seat. All right? It doesn't mean that you should have special recognition. It doesn't mean you should have a title, even if you think you are the biggest giver. By the way, only God knows the biggest giver. Because the biggest giver is not based on the amount you give. It is based on how much sacrifice that you have made. So the one who seems to have the least cash might actually be the greatest giver of all. Not just in our church, but maybe even in the whole of Nigeria. Okay? So what are we talking about? Thinking the gift of God can be purchased with money is a sign of a wrong heart. Don't ever think you are entitled to the office of a deacon or a minister or a pastor. All right? God is the only one that promotes and selects those he wants to promote. And it should be based on your heart, not based on any natural qualifications that you think you have. And perhaps I should take one more, and the next will be stinginess. Stinginess is also a sign that we have a wrong heart. If you should give, but you refuse to give, is a sign of a wrong heart. Okay? If you are labeling something as tithe, which is not tithe, it is a sign of what? Of a wrong heart. What am I talking about? So your tithe is supposed to be a million, but you think it's too much for you to give a million. And you decide to give 300,000. That's a sign of a wrong heart. If you look quickly at Acts chapter 4, verse 34, um, to chapter 5 and verse 9, Ananias and Sapphira, what was their problem? Everybody was giving in church. Everybody was being sacrificial. People were selling their lands. People were selling their houses. And even one of them, the disciples decided, the apostles decided to call him son of consolation. So ah, they two thought, wow, we like this. Everybody is doing it. We too must do it. So what? They sold their land. But then, like everybody was doing, everybody was giving what the total amount of whatever they had sold. And they were laying it down at the apostles' feet. But they were not willing to do that. But they wanted to pretend that they did that. So they then kept back part of the money. They brought back the other part and they laid it down at the apostles' feet. And Peter said something which I want us to look at. He said, why has Satan filled your heart? Why has Satan filled your heart? All right? He said, you have not lied unto men, but you have lied unto God. All right? Let me read the scripture directly. The Bible says, verse 3, but Satan, but, I mean, verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your power? Why? Have you conceived this thing in your heart that you have lied? He said that you've lied unto God. He said you have not lied unto men, but you have lied unto who? Unto God. And the Bible says, Ananias, hearing this words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon all of them that said it. Few moments later, service is still going on. They've gone to bury Ananias. 
Mrs. Ananias, otherwise Nuna Safira too comes in. Expecting commendation and all that. Then Peter said, come. She too came. Said, tell me, did you sell the land for so-so-and-so? Said, yes, we sold the land for so-so-and-so. He said, ah, you yourself too. Well, the feet of those who carried your husband, they are the door. And the Bible says, she too. What happened? Huh? She just collapsed also. And she died. Why did the two of them die? Because they were stingy. Let me say this to you. There's nothing we have that does not belong to God. Nothing. Nothing. The clothes you are wearing, you don't own the clothes. You don't own the clothes. The money on you, you don't own the money. There was someone whose brother died and um, he was telling him, he said, oh, her brother he said, ah. He said, and he knows his brother always carries money around. So he said, you know, by the time they came to report his death, there was no money on him. He said, the people who first saw him, I think the guy had a car accident. They must have taken all the money. Do you know what he said that shocked me? He said, ah, what was my own? He said, even if I had been there, he said, he too would have first stolen the money. I said, ah, your brother, ah. He said, be any mommy. <laughs> of course, he's an unbeliever. I'm like, that does not mean, he said, ah, so, the one who is dead, he doesn't need the money anymore. Let me tell you something. You don't want anything. You don't want it. That car you think you own, you don't own it. The house you think you have, you don't own it. The money you think you have in the bank, you don't. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, that we own. What does the Bible say? When we came to this world, how did we come? We came naked. When we are living, how are we living? How many of you have seen bodies in the morgue before? How do they put them there? Naked. Naked, naked we came. Naked we returned. We see some people who are always saying, Amen. When I'm, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm dying, bury me with all my gold. Yeah. Number one, most children will not do that. I heard of some story of um, some children that said they put all the trinkets, they put all the gold. They were, then when they got to burial ground, and they opened the coffee, they removed everything. Oh, like ah, as rich as this mama was, they said ah. So that our mother can rest in peace. It is better for us to remove all these. Because other people are here who know how, you know, all those trinkets that are on her. Have you noticed that all these um, um, Egyptian pharaohs, are they resting in peace? No, they are not resting in peace. Because people know that there are all kinds of treasures that was buried with them. You don't take it with you. It doesn't matter what you have. The one who owns the breast, he owns everything. The one who can remove it this very second is the one who owns everything. Whenever God says to you, release something, maybe it's to his work. Maybe he's even asking you to give to a poor person. Don't be so attached to it. Understand also that if it is God that gave you those resources, he can give you much more. That's why the Bible says, you know what, don't let it be hard. Even when people are coming to ask from you and you know it's going to be the time of release. Say so God will look at that kindness that you have just exhibited and God will bless you and God will prosper you. Whatever signs of the heart that you have seen, and you recognize that some of these things may be in your heart, and it is wrong. I want you right now to bow your head and begin to talk to God. Signs of a wrong heart. 
has talked to God. They told Simon the sorcerer, repent of this your wickedness and pray. Perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Let's ask the Lord for forgiveness. And I want you to be specific even as you pray. Not what may be in your heart that is not right. Is it bribery? Is it stinginess? Is it sin? Is it bitterness? Whatever it is, let's ask God. Let's ask God for forgiveness. Let's ask God for cleansing. Let's ask God for cleansing. He will cleanse you if you ask for forgiveness. the gift of God can be purchased with money let's ask God for forgiveness is it wickedness let's ask God for forgiveness is it dishonest like Simon is it dishonesty like Ananias and Sapphira is it dishonesty like Judas. Let's ask God for forgiveness. I want to pray for some people this morning. If your heart is heavy, you are burdened about something. The load you've been trying to carry, but you just feel this, this burden, this pressure. There's something that sometimes when you think about that area of your life, maybe it's something that really, really weighs you down and makes you feel sad. Want to pray? Want to pray about that this morning? So anybody here, you have any heavy burden? I want you to lift up your lift up your hand. There's something bothering you. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand, and I want you to come forward. I actually saw you in front here. my heart to God concerning whatever it is that is bothering you. Whatever it is that is heavy on your heart. Whatever it may be. I want you to begin to pour your heart out before the Lord. The Bible says that when we gather, we've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. The innumerable company of angels, the spirits of just men, made perfect. The heavenly Jerusalem. Yes. In the congregation of the saints this morning, the Lord being present with us, I want you to pour out your heart before I want you to pour out your heart. I know you've prayed in private, but pour out your heart before the Lord. Tell God where it hurts. Tell God the burden is so much. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're feeling, feeling even crushed. Tell God about it this morning. The power of the Lord is here. So lift everybody. Lift everybody. Casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. 
carry you in his hands. He wants to lift you up above every burden, above every sorrow, above every weight. That's why he's God. He is not man, and he is more than able to help. He is more than able. God, why it weighs you down so much. He sees your heart. He knows the depths. He knows the depths and he understands it. And he understands. The Bible says we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help time of need. Grace to help in time of need. Say, Lord, I'm tired of this situation. The Bible says God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Yes, even if it comes to rivers, it can make rivers in the desert. It can make a road in the wilderness. Church, I want us to also pray. I want us to also pray. As we're looking into our hearts, let's pray. Pray that you'll be better. You'll be better. You'll be better. Jesus. Most precious Father, I lift my voice before you this morning concerning everyone that has come into your presence asking for mercy. Almighty God, I pray everyone standing in front this morning show them mercy in the name of Jesus. You are God of appointments. You are God who knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. Your word says you will not allow us to be tempted above what we are able. With the temptation you will make a way of escape so that we can bear it. You know our frame, oh God. I pray for everyone here that you will make a way of escape for them in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever burden they've been carrying, Lord, they are laying it down. They're laying it down at your feet. They're laying it down before you. Father, I pray for them that they will never carry this burden again in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, you can be touched. You can be touched with every time that they wept. You can be touched with every time that they felt down. You can be touched with every time they felt sorrow. Lord Jesus, take away every sorrow in the name of Jesus. Take away every pain and anything that is causing them shame and ridicule. Let it be taken away today in the name of Jesus. You are God. You are not man. You are God who is not limited. You are the God of all possibilities. You are the I am that I am. You are God who has never failed. The God who keeps his promises. Almighty God. They have not come to an idol. They have come to you, the one and only true God. They have come to you, their creator. They have come to you, their maker. They have come to you. They have come to you, the one who knows all the times and the seasons. Almighty God, even as they've come to you, I ask, meet them at the point of their needs in the name of Jesus. 
Heal every broken heart in the name of Jesus. Heal everyone that is downcast in the name of Jesus. And any one of them that is in the midst of the valley be brought out of that valley in the name of Jesus. Put a new song in their mouth. Put new dance steps on their feet. Grant them reason to rejoice and to rejoice in full in the mighty name of Jesus. Grant them reasons to celebrate and let their celebrations be complete in the name of Jesus. The joy that you give that no man can take away, grant to them in the name of Jesus. Set before them an open door that nobody will be able to shut in the name of Jesus. Let their faith in you continue to be strong and intact in the mighty name of Jesus. Where people have mocked them, where people have laughed at them, let the same people rejoice. Let the same people see them rejoicing and rejoice with them in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your divine intervention today. Thank you for the miracles that take place in every life today in the name of Jesus. Father, we bless you. Father, we bless you. Father, we worship you. Thank you that every single person here will testify of the turnaround starting now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I prophesy the problems, the challenges, the difficulties, the hardships, the depth of pain. Yes, the blockage that they have seen today, they will see no more again. Forever in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that this is a new day. Thank you, Father, that this is a new season. Lord, I pray for those who are standing here because of anguish concerning a child. Anguish concerning a family member. Father, I ask that you touch that family member now in the name of Jesus. Perform your miracle in the life of that family member now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray for those who are standing here because of finances. Oh, and if you are here in church and you are not yet in front or you have a financial need, I want you to stand up also.
planted. Let me speak for them now in the name of Jesus. I pray for even those who may not have any sin in the ground. Lord, I ask that your mercy will kick in in the name of Jesus. By reason of your mercy, let there be supernatural provision in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that whatever they need, whatever the currents, whatever the currents, whatever the currency, whatever the currency, let there be provision now in the name of Jesus. I ask for help. Help from above. We lift up our eyes to you, O God. We know that our help comes from you. I pray for each and every one of them that they receive help now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, O God. Thank you, God. Those problems, those challenges, they are turned now into miracles. They are turned now into miracles. They are turned now into miracles. In the mighty name of Jesus. I decree upon every lack. I command the lack to be removed. I decree surplus in the name of Jesus. I decree surplus in the name of Jesus. I decree surplus in the name of Jesus. I decree more than enough in the name of Jesus. I decree open heavens in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for them. That which you have not done for them before, do now in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes. Thank you for the download. I see things dropping down. Things dropping down from heaven. Things dropping down from heaven. Blessings dropping down from heaven. Oh yes, blessings dropping down from heaven. Thank you, Father. We give you the thanks. I want you to lift your hands and do like you are receiving. Like you are receiving these things that are dropping from heaven. receive a package you have never received before. I see another person. On the eighth day, there's going to be money. 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 a shop. Some things that you haven't even sold for a long time. <laughs> you just look as if people are just coming and they're just making demands and they're just buying. You have sales that you have not had for a long season. Sales and adjustments. Father, we bless you. Father, we bless you. Father, we bless you. Yes. I see things being removed from the shelf. Things being removed from the shelf. Things being removed from the shelf. Money being paid. Things being re- Money being paid. Things being removed. Ah. Oh, Father, we, sing. Father, we bless you. We give you the glory.
glory. Thank you for relationship repairs. 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 Thank you for restoration. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for restoration.